Oh, okay, so I should start. <clears throat> I gotta, like, make sure my face is neutral for this. <clears throat> so I've been thinking. How tight were dinosaurs' pussies? <laughs> Does that count as zoophilia? Well, would it be zoophilia necrophilia? <sighs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to episode 12 of the Pillbox Podcast. Um... Vic has a story for everybody about how he's here right now. Oh, it's very easy. I basically, my body and the body of the Saturn hacker that, uh, that took over my account, we've fused together and now I am the dominant, uh, being. Okay. That's bullshit. Obviously he's hiding the real answer. So allow me to tell you the real answer. He tried to fucking put a bullet in his mouth and missed. And the whole reason that he did it was because he was trying to deal with tax evasion issues. No. And when he failed to kill himself properly, he faked his death and moved to Cuba for a month. It hasn't even been a month, but still. Yeah, I was about to say, how the fuck does that time period work? Right. It's been a month and a week. <laughs> yeah, either way, Vic's back. That's all that matters. The 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 king has returned. <laughs> king autism. <laughs> That's ever though. Um, so the, the things are running the same as always. Uh, there's a slight change to my format. I'm trying, I'm still doing Chris Chan. I'm just doing things slightly differently. We're going to see if it works out a little bit better than what I was doing before. And other than that, everything's identical. So, uh, if y'all are ready to jump in, I am ready to go. Mm. Uh, who will be going first? Um, how about you go first, Jeb? Alright, this week it's going to be Mark and Key. Uh, Pretty simple story, but I'm going to run down the voice actors. Uh, Playing Takaru was Ian Sinclair, Takaro was uh, Monica Rial, Inaho was Tia Ballard, and Megami was Chloe Radbone. Congo is Scott Freeman. Congo, sorry. And Syria is Jade Saxon. Now, this is your stereotypical um, fan service harem show where all the girls have boob sizes that are they're either an A cup or an E cup. So, <laughs> Cause it was, oh, so it's like basically Iken, but less egregious. Yeah. And don't worry, Vic, they actually do show nudity. Woo! Titties! So I'm thinking High School DXD minus anything good about High School DXD except for all the fan service. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you got a, a bland bitch protagonist that all the girls around him somehow fall in love with him, and it's all a secret. Don't, don't tell him. 
You know what's and weird? Yeah, I have seen things like about that trope so many times, but I've never actually watched an anime like that except for, um, uh, I believe it's called The Neighbors Club. Uh, that's the only harem anime I've ever actually watched that's been basically oh. protagonist. Everybody's in love with the protagonist for some fucking reason. Yeah, yeah Hog and I. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's actually not a bad show once you get past all the bullshit. Like the I, characters I fucking love that have a show. personality. I love that show so fucking much. That's the only harem anime that I've really watched that's just strictly a harem anime. Uh, and I, I love the character that basically was a trap, and then it turned out that they weren't actually a guy dressed as a girl. They just thought they were a guy, but they were actually a girl the entire time. So then they became a reverse trap at the end of the series. It was fucking great. So is that reverse trans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Um, <clears throat> A uh, female who thought she was a male, they tricked her into dressing like a woman because they thought that it was a male as well. And then it, towards the midpoint of the series, you find out that this uh, male, quote unquote, that's dressing like a girl is actually a female and didn't realize that she was a female. And then she started dressing like a man after that. What kind of pink pilling is this? <laughs> It's like all my fetishes with one character. I think Chad's expression right here is my spirit animal. <laughs> See, I can't remember her name. It's not Senna, but it's the girl with dark hair. The one that he has a past with. Yeah. That chick is definitely my type. The extremely sarcastic will... Tear you down in a heartbeat just to laugh. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, before we go too far off track with a different anime, go ahead and continue. Yeah. Um, There there really is no plot. It's a lot of it's episodic. You get some kind of overarching story about how this kid has more power than he realizes and he doesn't have a mocking yet and a mocking is pretty much like a magical accessory they have gloves boots a sword uh his is a little invisible thing in his fist don't ask me how that works (laughs) how does that work Well, when a mommy loves a daddy very much. (laughs) No, Dad, Jeb, I want to hear more about the birds and the bees. I do not want to hear Jeb's explanation of the birds and the bees because it's probably too similar to my sex life. That there are literal birds and bees in your sex life? (laughs) That it's extremely sad. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like yours. Which one of us has a kid? Both, technically. Which one of us has been late in the last three months? No comment. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself, Vic. <laughs> I'm the only virgin in this group anyway. Oh, wait, no. Vincent. Oh, right, him, but he's... Wait, 
Which one gives off more virgin energy, me or him? Him. Definitely him. <laughs> you give off high levels of nerd energy, but he just gives off straight up, I'm a virgin who pretends to be a badass hoping to get laid. That's true. So anyway, continue with the anime. Asshole. <laughs> All right. But... Okay, Inho events. I guess she pops in saying that she is his fiance. Hako is a childhood friend. I'm sorry, Haruko. Himagami is Yandere. Oh, <laughs> uh, I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. You know, that's pretty much how she is. Now that's you know you've like got a very stuff. interesting and compelling character on your hands when you can just name their character type and that says everything about them. That that entire I hate you, I love you sounds ex- just like Monica's sex life. I have a pair of pliers in my hand. They no, are the not- folding Gerber pliers. I'm holding them up to the camera right now even though you can't see them. Keep talking that shit and I'm going to stab it right through your fucking eye. Ooh, saucy. <laughs> I missed this. I'm not going to lie. Last week was empty without that. <laughs> okay, I better stop or else we're going to get really derailed. Uh, one last thing, and I will be cutting this yeah. out. Um, I, Jeb can attest to this. Vincent did actually really good last week. I was surprised as to how yeah. on track he was. Surprisingly, he did. So yeah, I, I thought that was kind of nice for yeah. once. This was the best he's ever done. Yeah, but during the whole joke of Vic said he would not commit, he kept playing his joke of give us money. Yeah. <laughs> See, honestly, as soon as the and... episode comes out, everybody's going to know that it was a joke. Like, the buildup was better before I released the episode. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, all right. But, but, you know, Takaru is a stereotypical pervert. All he wants to do is see it. He goes around grading women like, hey, you're 70. Hey, you're 30. <laughs> oh, you have a boyfriend? No points. that sounds like something chris chan would do but uh vic i dare you to do that at the anime con just walk around grading women to their faces on a scale of like 10 to 100 (laughs) and if they have a man with them just say you get no points and walk away oh good (laughs) god i'm gonna get beaten (laughs) oh Honestly, I think that there might be some who would get the reference and be like, I fucks with this dude, and then take you back to their hotel room. Oh, dude. It's such an obscure reference. I mean, they probably do it in other anime, but specifically, if you're going to go back to this one, then you're going to have to find somebody that either recently watched it or is extremely into it. (laughs) 
And so I've, and the last time I went to Yomacon, there were some boyfriends who actually looked like serial killers. Wait, you've actually been to this uh, convention before? Yeah, like a couple years ago, I went with my uncle. And it was so funny, and I'll say this, maybe you can leave this part in, I don't know. My uncle was saying, like, the girls there were hot, but the guys looked awful. <laughs> That's pretty much anime conventions in a nutshell. All the guys are uncle- fat neckbeards. No, it's like my uncle's not into anime at all, and he was taking me, we're walking around, we're buying shit, and he's like, man, these, those girls were, were very hot, but those guys, holy hell. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, see, what you have to do is get those little travel-sized soaps, the old little hotel soaps, and walk around to each guy you see, and bar soap, and be like, please. <laughs> Dude, it is horrible when you, like, the, my very first anime con, I was a teenager and I used to spray X on me because, I don't know, I'm a dumbass. But, you know, I was able to smell these guys' funk through the, the cloud of acts that I had on. <laughs> I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, you haven't even looked at a shower this week. (laughs) Obviously, they didn't follow convention rules. There's like a set of instructions on how to survive at a convention. Uh, It's like it schedules out how many hours like you need to set aside time for showering and what times to eat and shit. Clearly, they didn't follow that shit. Do they even, do they even, some of these people, it's like, did a shower kill your kitten? (laughs) <coughs> My dad used a uh, bathtub to kill a cat their mom. That's why they want revenge to stand away until they become strong enough. <laughs> <laughs> wow, now that actually sounds like an anime. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a more compelling story than all the role plays that Vincent does. I've actually... Have you looked into any of those? Have you looked at those? I've read them. (sighs) I'm so confused. And it'll make a more more compelling story. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually jumped in and interrupted a few of his role plays before. (laughs) That shit is fucking hilarious. Like, he'll be like, "Uh, I just got a box of cigars and I'll reply and be like, take your cigars and leaves. (laughs) oh dear jesus but the main overarching story behind this thing is them trying to figure out well, it's Himagami trying to figure out why he's so powerful and the mystery behind his power. Now, it is actually uh, kind of answered at the, the end of the show. And the whole thing behind that is Harko gets kidnapped. He finds out about it, goes up to uh, Mount 
Imanahara to find out who did it. She ends up getting attacked by this woman from an evil organization. She beats the living piss out of him. He gets mad, and when he goes rage mode, he opens up a seal on this mythical energy creature, and for some odd reason, he can take in this quote-unquote element through his mouth, and then he becomes, like, he goes god mode. Okay. Yeah. And at the end of the whole thing, well, the, the end of the main story, uh, it's Harko who ends up saving him by taking that little magic sword of hers and touching a tie clip and the energy between both of them apparently just negates everything. Now, at the beginning of the show, there is, like, towards the beginning of the season, there is, like, a uh, hot spring episode. Standard. And then at the end of everything, they do the beach episode, where it's like a sleepover with guys and girls out in the cabin on an island. So... One gets trained, the other one perves out and gets the little shit zapped out of him by him again. Me. <laughs> How much of a common occurrence do you think is that in Japan? Men just perving on women and then getting beaten to death. Perving on women? A lot. Getting beaten to death? Probably not so much. Eh, fair enough. I don't know. Look at how the, the prices of mace are over there. You might find out. Mason, Mason stun guns. <laughs> no, but in the end, it's a it's a fairly standard story. It's a hell of a lot better than the second season of it, because uh, this one actually you can pay attention to it and it actually entertains you. <laughs> That would probably uh, be a plus when watching an anime, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, hello, look at the elitists here. I only watch the best in obscurity. God, I'm having no entertainment in this. This must be superior. I figured that was the bar the barometer for your fucking movies. <laughs> 53 minute shot of a desert expanse. This is art. Okay. <laughs> When I, I guess that, that would fucking one... trigger you. I knew it. I fucking knew that would trigger you. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on. Re. Re at me. Re. I know you want to re at me. Here comes the pillowcase. <laughs> With the headphones inside the pillowcase, it doesn't work as well. Hmm. Speaking of the pillowcase, you can go back to that PFP as of tonight. <laughs> awesome. Saturn can die now. Oh, thank God. Only that kid doesn't go like, oh my goodness, he's alive! <laughs> <laughs> I, I made it point blank clear to him because he wouldn't fucking quit. I'm starting to worry about... I'm like, we're fucking around. 
Look, we're trolling everybody. Just shut up. How is he still not getting it? I think he's actually probably concussed. <sighs> Continue. Yes. Okay. The voice acting is spectacular. I mean, from top billing all the way down to the bottom, they're all voice actors that you know, ranging from, like I said, Ian Sinclair, Scott Freeman, um, Jade Saxon, Monica Real, Monica's in fucking everything, though. See, but, I have a big, big problem with anime when it comes to the voice acting. I don't know why, <clears throat> and maybe I'm just viewing things badly, but I feel like, especially the English voice actors, and it's not their fault, they have to because they gotta follow the lip flaps and everything, but it seems like they're over-exerting and over-acting in almost every anime I've seen. Like, everything's a million degrees over the top all the time, even when it's not necessary. And I don't know, I, I don't think that I can agree when it comes to spectacular voice acting on any anime. Maybe if I watch it, I'll change my mind, but everything I've seen, I'm just like, no, the voice acting is pretty subpar on every anime I've ever watched. Okay. I will say stuff like this, because me, I think me and Jeb are fans of this anime. Mm -hmm. If you've ever watched Black Lagoon's dub, that might change your mind. Okay. Because what that show does is that they're, they don't, you, it's the guys, it's the same people, the same like studio that did the Death Note dub. Okay. So they're usually of high, of higher quality because with a mocking <clears throat> key, I assume it's because that it's a lower, I don't want to say lower budget, but like a lower priority anime. I mean, if it's on the, if it's on a save edition, it's kind of like on a lower priority for the distributors. I assume, I don't know. I'm okay. not going to pretend. But, like, I think if you watch anime like that, it might change your mind. Though, yeah, there are a lot of anime that have, like... I wouldn't say the overacting is that bad, because, see, here's the thing. I've watched, like, act, like some of the most horrific anime dubs you will ever uncover in your life. Yeah. So, when, I, when we're talking about stuff like Funimation dubs being kind of weirdly um, overacting, I'm kind of like, in my head, I'm going, no, you have not seen the worst of the worst. Okay, I guess maybe overacting isn't the right word. I feel like, <clears throat> and this might be a fault of just anime in general, but I feel like the reactions that characters have are over-animated in comparison to what would be realistic. Well, and, well yeah. and, and that was my big turnoff for anime for a long time, is it just it seemed so unrealistic. It took me a while to be able to get into it when I see these characters acting in these so overly exaggerated ways that it doesn't even make sense to the situation anymore. <clears throat> okay, you want uh, an anime that'll actually... You might like it. It's, it's paced kind of poorly, but the voice acting will meet your specifics. The animation will meet your specifics. There's no overacting. Uh, Gunslinger Girls. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that. That one seems to be pretty decent. I have not watched it yet, but it seems pretty decent. 
Okay, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I might just be weird. I might be looking at anime entirely wrong. It's just that when I look at it, I just, I see these things and it's like, why though? <laughs> Mostly it's because the uh, voice director and all of them give them the direction to. Yeah, and like I said, I don't really place the problem on the actors themselves. It's just the way that it comes across. It just kind of feels a little weird. I don't know. It's because I think I could say this, although I don't claim to be like an expert on, you know, um, this type of thing. But when it comes to like Japanese, because I'll get when I get to my segment, but I'm going to try to keep it to anime. I think a lot of anime, they, a lot of the tropes of the acting, like let's say from the original Japanese, they're probably taking from uh, kind of traditional, you know, Japanese theater. Okay. And those tend to be a bit more, um, I'm not saying like it's completely 100%, of course, but in Japanese kind of theater plays and stuff like that, things are a bit more dramatic, things are a bit more expressive. Okay, so, that, that actually makes sense, yeah. So, so, it's, kind of, so it's kind of like a, um, a cultural kind of bear. I'm not, and I'm obviously not saying like, oh my goodness, you need to be Japanese to figure out, no, it's, <laughs> no, but... It's probably where, like, our acting comes from, although, I don't know, I'm probably going all over the place, so I'll just end my point there. <laughs> I get what you're saying, and that does make sense a little bit. Maybe understanding the medium a little bit more would help me understand the creative choices. Yeah, when I get to my segment, I'll probably go into more detail, but... Okay. But, you know, like I said, that's your opinion. To me, the voice acting is good. The people they got to play the characters, perfect. Okay. But it, the animation is smooth. It, it doesn't have any hiccups. It's not fading. Um, definitely not for kids. Too many tips for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll let my nephew watch this the same day that I let him watch High School DXD, which is never. <laughs> I hope you're not showing an eight-year-old that. Fuck no, I'm not his father. All right, the, all right, we don't need to get into that at the moment. <laughs> Fucking tard. Everybody in this area is retarded. Anyway, is that the end, or is there still some more to go over? Um... Basically, like, if I had to rate this thing, I'd give it probably 6, 6.5. It's not the best, but it sure shit ain't the worst. It's good for entertainment, throw it on. You know, you can just veg out to it, especially during the apocalypse we're having right now. Yeah. It's <laughs> down thing. It's five hours. Uh, you can just sit there and so as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we should have a segment called Anime to Commit Suicide 2. And oh, just I... list some decent anime that you can just turn on while you're getting ready to kill yourself. Well, I got one. <laughs> <laughs> there was one. Oh, I got a couple. I watched one, I won't say the name yet, because maybe we could do something like that. I watched, like, a cyberpunk anime a long time ago, and Jesus fuck is it bleak. As soon as you said cyberpunk, my first thought was, what the fuck? <laughs> cyberpunk, it's, uh 
I've seen way too many cringe kids doing the cyberpunk thing, and it's just annoying at this point. Okay, uh, yeah, well, I won't lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as bad as those goddamn cyber goths. <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to goths. You should, no. <laughs> you should excommunicate the cyber goths. I think they kind of have. Oh. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm stepping away for two seconds. I finally found my vape pen, but I forgot to bring it in here, so I'm going to grab it real quick. Go ahead and wrap up your part. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm done. So now it's time for Vic to be Vic. <laughs> awesome. So my next installment in Two Turds, One Nugget. God, I, that will never catch on. Uh, okay, so I watched... So, of course, I watched three films. So, the first one I watched in the turd section is a film from 1965 by the name of Monster Agogo. Now, this film actually has a bit of um, notoriety because it was meant, featured on... Uh, oh, wait. Was I supposed to just like be autistic for a few minutes? Uh, that's entirely up to you. Okay, I'll just be autistic. I, say, I, I, I had to change out, so... <laughs> so, anyhow. So, so two turns, one nugget. So, the first one I watched was Monster or Go-Go, a sci-fi film from 1965. Now, this film has some infamy because it was featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And according to, I remember reading somewhere where the cast that made the show said that this was the worst film they ever watched of their entire <clears throat> line of that show. So, going in, we have a opening text crawl with a kind of rock and roll jazz kind of soundtrack and the uh, and it looks like the cameraman is drunk because what's happening is that the per is that there's this actor he's walking with the backdrop of the fucking milky way galaxy and he's like stumbling he looks like he's doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and again, there's this stupid fucking, like, swinging kind of music, like, stuff from the fucking 50s. And then it opens to narration of a pilot of a helicopter. And there will be a fuck ton of narration. There is not one moment where nothing is narrated. Like, there's no, like, just shots where the movie can explain what's going on by itself. It has to have a narrator. Constantly explaining shit. Even stuff that they're supposed to be like action scenes to. The film just goes like, oh, well, duh, 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 duh. it's like narration fucking constantly. What movie are we talking about? Monster A Go Go. Oh, okay, okay. So, as I was saying, narration out the fucking ass. And before you walked in, Monica, this guy, look, there's, there's this opening shot of like a Milky Way backdrop. And then they spliced in, like, a guy walking, but he looks like he's stumbling over, along with the cameraman. And how old is this movie? 1965. Okay. So, 
So we open up with a, like I said, a helicopter and then narration just explaining everything about how there's this spacecraft that flew to Earth and then got back. But if I remember correctly, because to be honest, the film is so fucking dry and boring. They couldn't find the the uh, pi- the, the spaceship pilots. Astronauts, I mean. And <coughs> later on, they do find them, one of them, and he has been turned into this radioactive humanoid monster. Now, the effects, good fucking lore, the effects. Basically, what they just did... So, wait, you're saying he turned into Torah? What? He turned into Tor Johnson? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> No, he just looks like he has way too much acne on his face. <laughs> and that's supposed to be the monster. So it's a so it's every teenager um, ever. If a t- if the teenager was 7 uh, foot six, If the teenager was 7 foot 6. So every teenager playing basketball ever. Basically. <laughs> Horrifying. I am so yeah. scared. I think the scarier part for me is uh, some of the reactions that they try to do for the dead people, because this is one of the reactions. So at one point in the film, they find like the body of another astronaut or no, not an astronaut, a victim of this monster. And this is his face because I can't like put a photo. (laughs) Like he's making this face or or this. I I don't know. It's like this face. (laughs) I can't mimic it well. But it's so fucking derpy looking. It's so derpy looking. And another thing is that there's way too many fucking characters in an hour and eight minute long film. Characters just appear and then they just disappear. Like you have the next transition. You can't follow the thing. There's no development. And the scene composition is fucking horrific. Now, what do I mean by scene compositions? If For people who don't know film film. Um, terminology. So, scene composition is not just shooting a scene. It's like conveying a specific mood, you know, like camera angles, shit like that. With this movie, all he decided to do was just place the camera and just shoot. Like, the, like at some points, you can't even see the characters' faces because they're so far away from the camera, or they're just turned, so you can't see what the emotional um, intent that the scene's trying to convey. You're just left... <laughs> Like staring at this, like wide expanse of dead air. Fucking why? I don't know. And <clears throat> there, and somehow there is filler in an hour and eight minute long film. So here's what I mean. Oh there is a scene where there's this woman and this man, and the scene goes on for I think like eight minutes, where. I think her car breaks down, and then he fixes the car, and then they just cut back to something that had that had nothing to do with whatever just happened. And okay, the mere fact that it like that needs filler, like that short of a movie, it honestly should have been classified as a student film. <laughs> no fucking kidding. Although I think the best part for me is that there is a twist at the end. Oh dear. 
So the so throughout the film, you're thinking that this astronaut, by the way, named Douglas, is this monster, and even there are even scientist characters that confirm that this astronaut is indeed the monster. Until near the end of a, a I would call it a climax, but that mean that should have mean that there was something exciting happening, which there wasn't. And if I were to go into it, I'm going to, like, just blow out my brain. It turns out that this Douglas character wasn't the monster and that he was all right and okay. Kill me. And no. Kill me. Fucking kill me. <laughs> so, like, everything else makes zero fucking sense. Like, the... A scientist scenes where he's talking about Douglas being this monster. Apparently, that's all null and void because that's not Douglas. They don't. And here's the thing: they never explain who it is. For the record, they never explain who the monster is or what the monster is. Then, if it's not this Douglas character, <sighs> and so it just ends with oh, and by the way, I pulled it up on um, Wikipedia. There's this like ending monologue, and I want you to tell me if you get any of this shit. Because I swear this sounds like a rejected Twilight Zone voiceover. Oh, dear. As if a switch had been turned, as if an eye had been blinked, as if some phantom force in the universe had moved, made a move eons beyond our comprehension, suddenly there was no trail. There was no giant, no monster, nothing called Douglas to be followed. There was nothing in the tunnel but the puzzled men of courage who suddenly found themselves alone with shadows and darkness, with the telegram, one cloud lift and another descends. Astronaut Frank Douglas rescued alive, well, and of normal size, some 8,000 miles away in a lifeboat, with no memory of where he has been or how he was separated from his capsule. Then who or what has landed here? Is it here yet? Or has the cosmic switch been pulled? Case in point, the line between science fiction and science fact is microscopically thin. You have witnessed the, the line being shaved even thinner. But is with the menace with us, or is the monster gone? This just convinces me that some people should not be allowed to make movies. <laughs> like, like if you if you make something like this, you should have all rights revoked to ever make anything creative again, even <laughs> in your own free time. Even if it's just for your family and friends, it should be considered a fucking war crime. <laughs> if you if you're guilty of writing something like this, you shouldn't even be able to write your own name afterwards. Agreed. So what would I bring? Okay, so I do my you know how bad is it, and then how bad how is it so bad it's good. So in terms of how bad it is, easily a four point five out of five. Just utter incompetence, dry. Which can, is admittedly subjective, but I I tell you like the paint on my wall is more interesting, and this is a white fucking wall. I I I believe it. Um, horrific act. Actually, maybe not horrific, but very wooden. Very wooden acting. Everyone looks stiff, uncomfortable, like they have no idea what they're doing. And anytime you see the monster come in, it, it, he looks, again, like a 
seven foot tall uh, basketball star with acne on his face. <laughs> so, in terms of how so bad is good, um, I think that honestly depends if you can get into older bad movies, you know, like older 60s, 50s bad movies. Because for some people, maybe the bad cheese of, like, the, the, you know, the effects and everything could be way harder for people to have ironic enjoyment in. So, for me, I'd probably give it, like, a 3.5 out of 5 on the So Bad It's Good scale. For others, it might be lower or higher, depending on your thing, but that's my rating. Now, this film was fucking retarded. It gets worse. I'm afraid. It sounds like some bitches would gravitate towards... Okay, this one's going to take a little while. The Legend of the Titanic. Oh, fuck, I forgot this is what you were doing. Oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me. Jeb, kill me. Jeb, kill me and then enjoy the review. An Italian We all jump to each other's heads and pull the trigger at the same time. Agreed. Just don't expect me to actually pull the trigger. <laughs> so this is an Italian, like Italian director directed animated film. And actually, and I can't really confirm this, the studio that made the movie, I think has connections to a studio in North Korea. I forget the name of the studio though. So this is possibly an Italian slash North Korean animated film about the sinking of the Titanic. Now, there's already been a, um, like, on the internet talk of a different animated Titanic movie that actually came after this one, with its infamous scene being that there's a rapping dog. This one's worse. Yeah, I remember that one. This one's worse. I'm just going to say it now. From the little bit that I've heard, this one is worse. Oh, it is. I will say this about the one with the rapping dog. And you will, and it will make sense when I go through the plot. At least people in that movie fucking died. <laughs> so, we open with a awful looking CGI city cityscape. Probably supposed to be New York. I have no idea. Now wait, this is supposed to be animated, yes? Uh, tragically, yes. What? Okay, just just double checking to make sure. Go ahead and continue. Yeah. So we open with talking mice, like a grandfather mouse talking with his grandkids. Is this American Tale? No, that would mean that it's actually fucking good. Is Fivel going west today? <laughs> I would. <laughs> nice reference, jackass. <laughs> Sorry. So there's talking mice, and the one of the mouse, one of the grandkids wants to blow on a whistle, but the grandfather's going, "No, don't blow on the whistle because it could attract the bad person or something." And he, they find out that his their grandfather was on the Titanic. And the grandson is reading the thing about the Titanic, how there's a lot of missing people, to which the... And this is only, like, I think, four minutes into the movie. 
the grandfather mouse says that it is a misconception that there was any missing people from the Titanic. That no one went missing on the Titanic. Oh, we're in for a ride. So, most normal people, after hearing that the most, probably the most famous maritime disaster in human history is given this in, this respect, most people would turn it off at this point. Respect. And, and, if, and if your grandfather were to say that to you, your first thought would be, well, granddad's getting Alzheimer's, time to put him in the home. <laughs> but because I apparently am a whore for pain you really I really are I continued and it shifts to 1912 and the one thing that struck out to me the most before I get into the, like the more of this beautiful plot <laughs> is the animation is fucking stiff when I was watching it, I was thinking, is this a Saturday morning cartoon? Like an early 80s Saturday morning cartoon? But then I realized, no, wait a minute. G1 Transformers at its worst looked better than this. There's even a part that I saw where this this guy, this is just a background, no one gives a fuck. And actually, there's some points where character models are just reused. Like, even the dresses are reused. So there's, like, a bunch of clones of people everywhere where this, this guy's throwing this hat, but the hat is like disappearing and disappearing into nothing, then coming back. So we spend like, I think like 10 minutes just trying to introduce all these characters that they're, they have no personality. They just have zero fucking personality, but we get to the mice character, the mice grandfather as a, uh, as a um, sailor, and he goes through. I'm not even kidding. He reads off the mice names, like he has like a list, and he's like reading all their names, and some of them are fucking cheese puns. <clears throat> Sorry, I think I just had a stroke. <laughs> and he has a best friend who is every South American stereotype ever. Even down to how much he loves soccer. <laughs> I can't even remember the name other than he's really into soccer and that his teeth look like shit. Thank you for reminding me of this crap. I really want to cast Void 19 right now. <laughs> <laughs> and there are Mexican stereotypes. There are... Uh, what's that one thing? Because there's this, um, uh, there's this, I don't, I don't know what you call them, these, um, Romanian stereotypes. And, uh, there's a aristocratic woman. <laughs> Is it Rose? <laughs> it's supposed to be Rose, but her name's Emily this time. Wait, quick question. Was this movie made before or after the movie Titanic? After. Okay, so we're ripping off Titanic. Gotcha. Yes. Although this time there's sadly no Billy Zane. <laughs> Billy Zane because they're 
doesn't because why not have Billy Zink with the character this fucking cartoonish? Because there's a villain who wants to marry her, but she says to his father, her father, that he's awful, he's a scourge, and he's actually literally wearing an eye patch. Army <coughs> man. <laughs> and he's and she's and his father and she's telling her father that oh he's an awful man da 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 basically you know calling him anything but a child of God. Then we cut to this, and I'm not I don't even remember this dude's name, the love interest, because it's some long fucking name, some long Italian Spanish name where they have like five or six surnames. And they they show these like talking dogs, talking cats, and near the end of this like before the disembarkment, a, a, the dog pisses on the guy that leads the people into the ship. He like pisses on his head. No, his leg. He pisses on his leg. And then oh, Titanic. So we're going for humor in a film. <laughs> So the Titanic is off, and the Titanic makes, I swear to God, like, the CGI for the Titanic makes early PS1 games look like PS4 games. This is just uh, egregious. Yeah. Oh, and this is beautiful. It's so I'm not going to... Oh, there are certain moments where... Oh, and by the way, the lip syncing for the, the this dub is fucking atrocious. There are some characters who will not even have their mouths open, but yet they're somehow speaking. Or how their mouths will be open like this, and there's, like, words coming out, but the mouth isn't moving. You'll see that, like, multiple times. How the fuck did this get finished and released? I have no idea. I, if it's with North Korea, I think Kim Jong-un's uh, father, Kim Jong-il, probably threatened them with something. That makes sense. So, so here, so this is one of the first things that shows off the what the fuckery of this movie. A mouse falls in love with a human woman. <clears throat> I'm having flashbacks to the B movie. But when the the main character, grandfather mouse. Oh, and also, I must say this very quickly. I'm sorry, I'm jumping everywhere, but there's so much what the fuckery that I had to contain it. I had to like wrangle it like a eel. That's always slipping out of my hands, but I have to grab onto it as hard Is as it I can. Is it an electric eel? Is it painful to do this? Oh, it's extremely painful. For some reason, God said, you will be immune to electricity, so you won't be killed. <laughs> You'll feel all the pain, but you won't die. Oh, exactly. So anyhow, the mouse fault, this Brazilian mouse who has an accent and loves soccer constantly... Says that she's in love with the um. He says he's in love with the woman, and then the mouse goes like, "You can't like the obvious. You're a mouse, and you're and she's a human." And then he said, "The Brazilian mouse says he's not a racist." I'm. S <clears throat> oh, just gonna and hit my brain what? by vape and ignore you now. And here comes the best part. So. After another blow-up with the woman, with uh, M Elizabeth and the eye patch guy, she goes to the bow of the ship. She cries. There's a dolphin. 
the the tear hits the dolphin where it becomes like this rainbow thing and she can then talk to dolphins and here's why so it was a the, the it is a magical dolphin that used a net of magic moonbeams to catch the tear Where's my gun? <laughs> oh, wait, I sold my gun, like, eight wait. years ago. Son of a bitch. Where's my crossbow? I'm, I'm gonna put a fucking bolt in my mouth. So. Okay. Hey, Vic. Yeah. In your opinion, which was worse, the writing on this or the writing I did the other night for the story? <laughs> I don't know anymore. This. Because at least with your writing, it was intentionally bad. <laughs> and it made it more entertaining that it was intentionally bad. Oh, but it gets worse. It gets so much worse. How can it get worse? You, shark, a shark in a jailer outfit comes next. And it talks to the main villain's butler... And they talk about trying to sink the Titanic. I'm out. And here's and here's the reason why this dude wants to sink the Titanic. Done. Because fucking done. <laughs> okay, dude. This is like if Mega AIDS met cancer. <laughs> and here's the reason why this dude wants to sink the Titanic. He wants to Fuck get... this shit, oh. I am out! <laughs> Come on, I haven't even gotten to the best parts yet. If only this gun would actually work! I keep shooting, but nothing happens! <laughs> so... So... The re so, the... Evil... Patched guy... Wants his... Her, her, the, wants the main character's father's signature to have exclusive whaling rights even though in the film it's shown that he already has this power to contact captains so why would he need like a writing a um a what, what do you call it? like a like a signature from his her father but we've already got we're, there's already way too many problems to stick to at one point, the 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 um after the ladies talking to the um dolphins and the mice and being very accepting about it for the record, for some reason she is very accepting of the fact that she's talking to fucking animals. Like, there's not even like her going like there's not even a confused look on her face. She's not like scared even. She's like, oh cool, I'm talking to fucking dolphins and rats. Question: Is she on LSD? If she was, it would make a lot more sense. If it it at the it'd be one of those things where the ending of a movie would just save the entire production. If they just said that she was just high off shit, because then it'd be like, holy fuck, that movie was genius. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, if you if you go out and buy this movie, it should come with a little a thicker package, 
So she so they he the the mice convince her to talk to her father again about not marrying this guy. And here's the weird part. So for the first two times he, she doesn't want to marry the guy, right? She's like calling him like a snake, uh, evil, all this shit. Now all of a sudden when she politely says she doesn't want to marry this guy, then the father yields and is accepting of her wishes. I'm... What happened to I... the fucking sharks and the jailers and shit? We're getting to them in a bit. <laughs> so there is then a ten-minute scene... Of the animals trying to get the main character and then the a gypsy, that's what they are, they're gypsy stereotypes. And the um animals and this is like a ten minute scene for the record. This goes on for ten minutes. They are trying to get these two characters who've never met each other. Although, here's how they met each other. Like, in the beginning of the movie. I'm sorry, there was so much stupid. I forgot this scene, which I... The gypsy man is in love with this girl, even though it's really just lust. And he asks his dog to get her glove. And... He gets the glove, the dog gets the glove, brings it to him. Afterwards, he sniffs the glove. <laughs> Monica, you okay? Um, I, I think I'm dying over here. What the fuck? <laughs> and there's like, during this 10 minute scene, he does it a second time where he's sniffing this woman's glove. And the animals, like, through hijinks and shenanigans, get them to finally meet, and then they dance. Now, they don't know their names. And then they don't the know cum any- dolphins fight with the fecal crabs. <laughs> if, that may- if that was in the movie, it would make a ton- tons of sense. So, anyhow, they dance. They, again, don't know their names in the slightest. They then kiss, even though they never say their names in the slightest. They don't even know who they are what they're like, if they even would like each other. It's just like dancing and then boom, kissing. And they're saying, and then and then at one yeah. point they're, they're saying that if there's, if he's her soulmate, then he can also talk to animals. Okay, I want to swallow glass. <laughs> oh, but then the um the okay so like the dad of this woman is married to an evil stepmother because of course there's an evil stepmother in this she's in Why cahoots the fuck not? let's let's she's... let's just throw everything fucking in here what's next is there an evil witch going to try and shove somebody in an oven <laughs> no thank god there's nothing like that there's something far more stupid Oh, of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> so, 
they are then trying to um they're in cahoots with each other and the I think I can't remember if the I'm sorry, like I'm sorry if like I can't remember how specific scenes occur because there was so much stupid. I couldn't follow it. At this point, I think that you're just you deserve a medal of honor for remembering as much as you have remembered. <laughs> so the I think what happens next is that the whaler and the stepmom kidnap the uh, father, tie him up at gunpoint, and make him sign the whaling shit, like the. Okay, 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 hold up, hold up. I think I might have, like, lapsed out of reality for a moment. When did a whaler get involved? No, that's what I said. The main guy, the main villain, wants whaling rights. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I I must have left reality for a moment there. So, the, 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 they send this telegram to, like, on the ship with the, you know, like, the telegraph guys. And then the mice are following it, and then they think, like, oh, no, we don't want the message to be sent. So they chew out the wires, which is really going to bite them in the ass later. So they chew out the wires, and we cut back to the sharks who go to an octopus and then coax him into an iceberg-throwing contest. (laughs) What? 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 <laughs> the jailer shark. Jeb, the Jeb, come back. You can't leave me alone. No. <laughs> God damn it, Jeb, come back. So the so the gigantic octopus and the sharks. He's not coming back, actually, is he? Bullshit. <laughs> 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 So, okay, so here's how my nose gun. Okay, so the mice chew the thing through thing out first and there it so the mice oh so okay, so sorry. I had the order mistaken. So the mice chew out the telegraphs first. Why I can't remember and no I don't care to remember. There they then actually signed the whaling thing afterwards. That's after there is a scene of an octopus and sharks in a iceberg throwing contest. Which there's no need for that scene. And then later it goes back What? You said there was no need for that scene. I said there's no need for this movie. I was thinking the exact same thing. So, they then do another scene after the signing scene of uh, the fucking octopus throwing this huge, gigantic iceberg. I'm going to interrupt for two seconds, Vic. I apologize, but I need to say this. If any of you motherfuckers in the comments try to defend this bullshit by saying, well, it's a kid's movie, go to fucking hell. Go to fucking hell. Fuck this piece of shit. I've never even watched it, but fuck this movie. Okay, please proceed. So the octopus throws a iceberg in the path of the fucking Titanic. So th- so if we got this straight, 
there is a woman who is talking to dolphins because she cried on one of them because of magic moonbeam bullshit. Because of ma- the dolphins are magical. And on top of that, there's an evil whaler and a stepmother who are in cahoots with jailer sharks to try to sink the Titanic. Be- be- and to get do that, they get a gigantic fucking puppy dog looking octopus to go through a iceberg throwing contest because the the eye patch evil looking James Bond motherfucker wants exclusive whaling rights. Did you get all that? Good, great, because fuck you, I'm not repeating that again. So, so fucking murder me. <laughs> I give up. I'm done. Movies are not allowed to be this bad. I thought the last one was bad. Okay, dude, I'll just put it to you this way. If the police walk in and find your dead body, they don't need a suicide note. All they need is to see this playing on your TV. Don't <laughs> understand. Exactly. So, even though the octopus is strong enough to just get the iceberg and pull it away from the Titanic, he for some reason does and, and after the dolphin scolds him, because apparently he's done stupid shit like this in the past, I think. <laughs> Um, the, um, Titanic goes through the iceberg, and they're, they say there's lifeboats for everyone. Yeah, because that's how things went down. <laughs> and then I'm the... glad this movie is so historically accurate. <laughs> oh, and, um, the, the, the guy, the, what's the one I'm looking for? Um... The telegrams are not working because the mice cut through the wiring, and then the uh, sailor mouse and the Brazilian stereotype talk with the captain. And this is actually the moment where the wait, movie wait, broke. Wait, 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 back the train up. Are you saying that the mouse was talking to the captain? No, 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 no. The mouse was talking to the mouse to a mouse captain. Okay, okay, we're on the same page again. All right, continue. Oh. The- Oh, the, oh, with the captain, there's something way more stupid. I think the scene that broke me is when the uh, they tell the lead, like, mouse captain about all this, that they chew through the wire, and then the captain mouse is pissed and goes, that goes against everything in the Sea Mouse Maritime Union, to which one of my notes goes, in all caps, there's a Sea Mouse Maritime Union... <laughs> What? 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 I can't. Oh, we still there's still more to go, dude. No, no, no. The end. Fucking credits roll. (laughs) Oh, so they try to figure out a way to get the wires together to send the telegram. And they get they get one of the my mouse that that was only in for like a minute uh, by the name of Cannon Bear. Get it? Because it's a fucking cheese. And they're having problems trying to get the wires together. So what they do is they tie. I'm not kidding. They tie the wires with this mouse's mustache for the current to flow. And he dies. Wait. Uh, okay, I chugged my beer at the wrong time. <laughs> Who died? 
uh, a mouse that was only in for one minute named Cannon Bear. Rest in peace, little buddy. At least you didn't have to suffer through this movie very long. Indeed. So now all of a sudden the father can understand the animals. The father of this main character. Why, I'd have no idea. And I think this really sums it up, one of these notes. So there's a part in... I can't, so this was one of the two scenes that broke me. The sea that there's a sea mouse maritime union, and that when the ship is breaking, like how it happened in real fucking life, mm-hmm. the octopus tries to put the thing back together. I heard about that. I've seen screenshots of that. And th- this note pretty much sums up everything, but I'm still not done yet. Way to simplify one of the most well-known tragedies in human history to that of an evil, greedy man, you stupid pieces of shit. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, I just smashed my head with a bottle. I will be honest, the conspiracy theories around the Titanic are probably worse than this. (laughs) Oh, and they don't even let the captain go down with the ship. Because the octopus grabs the captain and puts him on a whale because then the whales come in to save everybody. So are you telling me that nobody died on the Titanic except for this one mouse who only had one minute of screen time? Oh, the mouse actually doesn't die. I'm... What? Oh, okay. So this, so the ship sinks to the bottom, along with the octopus, until it doesn't. Even though there's a scene where the fish are getting like you know flowers or sea flowers or whatever the fuck, and like laying it at a grave, but his tentacle then moves and grabs one of the flowers. And then there's this marriage of both the main character and the guy she knew for literally three minutes. And between the mouse from the beginning and his wife, which is actually the Brazilian stereotype sister. But there was no... Jeb, what do you have? He's going <laughs> to wrap his face in saran wrap. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I should have thought of that. I don't even have fucking rope in here. I can't even hang myself. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's ready to proceed with your review now. So, so, there's a big celebration. The octopus is found out to be alive. You know, Jeb, this might have been a bad idea because as you die now, the last thing you're going to hear is about this movie. At least die after I talk about a great movie. <laughs> well, you just killed my... Killed my health there, fucker. <laughs> I can't use my fucking gun to kill myself. You can't wrap your face in saran wrap. <laughs> so... So, apparently everyone's alive except for Cannon Bear, but then it turns out Cannon Bear's alive. Even though he was electrocuted. Why? 
Why? I, I need to know why nobody dies in this movie. The, the fucking Lion King had one of the most brutal deaths in kids' movies ever. You could have at least let that mouse die. He could have been a hero or something. So the film ends with yeah, with the grandfather, you know, back in present time, which actually I didn't say this until now. The perspective makes no sense. So apparently this is all from the perspective of this mouse, even though there's then perspectives well, from a bunch of... This movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't you can't see my face, but my jaw is just it's hitting the bottom of the fucking mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I got the shivers, I mean that that's uh this masterpiece so, has something about it that doesn't make sense. This is amazing. <laughs> So apparently, this is supposed to be the perspective of this mouse, even though there's perspectives from a bunch of different characters that in no way that this mouse could ever have known how it happened. Okay. And it ends with the 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 wife of the grandfather mouse going like, you, you know, don't take. I think whatever this, like, I'm paraphrasing, it's, it, it says, she says something along the lines of, don't let, like, these sailor tales, don't take them too seriously or something like that, because apparently the, the Titanic is now a fucking sailor tale. But given everything in this fucking piece of shit, I would not be shocked if this was just all the ramblings of somebody with dementia. Yeah. Sounds like so that was Legend of the Titanic. What did you guys think of it? I want to die. <laughs> oh, because I'm planning to do the sequel to this. I hate you. <laughs> Fuck this shit, I'm out. I quit the podcast. <laughs> Come on, the sequel is actually way worse than this. Don't you want to hear about the sequel where they go, where the people from the Titanic try to find the Titanic and go to Atlantis? <laughs> Why did I put my headphones back on? Why? 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 <laughs> so I'm going to do the sequel next week. So how I would rate this on how bad is it? Oh, it's a five. It's one of the worst pieces of shit I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> It is, and I don't say this word lightly, because of the stuff I've typed, and I've said in the G, in our G, in our private GC, it's offensive. <laughs> it's offensive to the three thousand people that died on the fucking ship. I'm just glad that they're all dead, so they never had to see this bullshit. <laughs> You know what this is like? This is like doing a movie about 9/11. Except it was it, except who started 9/11 wasn't because of terrorists with extreme religious ideological viewpoints or fallout from previous conflicts. It was actually a greedy businessman who wanted to make another McDonald's. And no one actually died in 9-11, and it wasn't planes that flew into the buildings, it was fighter pilots. 
and a giant and eagle so saved everybody inside of the Twin Towers. The end. <laughs> so, America, fuck yeah! <laughs> so, it's a 5 out of 5 on the terrible scale. Now, on, on how... On a so bad is good level, I will actually say this, and of course you guys are going to look at me like I fucking lost my shit. I'll actually say a 5 out of 5 on a so bad it's good. Seriously? Oh yeah, if you can like, um, get, get into the insanity of it, and kind of try to take yourself out of the fact that this is so fucking offensive... <laughs> You'll probably just be dumbfounded by everything. So it's not boring. I'll say that. It is not fucking boring. But not for a legitimately good reason. Do you think it was intentional? Hmm. You know what? That's hard to say because I don't know, like, a lot of the behind the scenes. Not No one knows a lot about the behind the scenes stuff that does it come off like somebody trolling like a really clever troll trying to piss people off with making a bad movie if that was the case that happened i would not be shocked i would not be shocked if it came out that the director or the writer or whomever thought hey i'm just gonna fuck with like everybody and we're getting like gonna get paid for it i'm just gonna make the most batshit insane thing ever at the time because the sequel trumps this in every respect on the bad and the shits and the shit-tastic craziness. Okay, hold on. What's worse, any kind of UA Bowl movie or this? Honestly, this. Because at least, because wow. at least Uwe Bowl's not is is at least not using real events. <laughs> At least he's just going off of video games and making them shitty. And at least with Uwe Boll, you know he's a troll. You know he's a fuckstick. Oh, yeah. He's he's a giant fucking troll, but still. And again, animation-wise, it's stiff. It looks choppy. It doesn't look cl- fluid or clean. It looks like, seriously, a bad Saturday morning cartoon. So, either watch it if you want to see, if you want to think that I'm just saying a full of shit and just... Who's trying to finger their microphones, pussy? (laughs) I'm not doing that. Because all I can hear is... Oh, that's probably me. The bitch ain't gonna come. Just give up. I had to watch this piece of shit. You guys are being a bunch of babies. You didn't have to watch this. You only had to hear my descriptions of it. That's how I feel I've when already I do seen my Christian research. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to give like a little breather before I get to my nugget. Yeah, let's have a moment of silence. Are you at all intrigued in watching this, Monica? <clears throat> Not even a little. To be honest, it does sound entertaining, but I can guarantee you I will never watch this piece of shit. <laughs> the, the, that shrink wrap. I don't know. Is that better than my pillowcase? Maybe. That'll be for the people to decide. 
<laughs> so do you think? So do you think everyone's like? Do you, do you people need to purge the poison yet? I just I want to vomit. <laughs> How does this exist? I'm still shocked that there are that they made a sequel to this. How much money some... could this have reasonably made? I'll actually look this up. Five dollars and twenty three cents. <laughs> hey, that's double what our budget was. <laughs> So let me try to find the if there is like a uh, box office or whatever. Oh no, dude! If this opened up in a theater, that's further proof that there is no God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking truth. Okay, so I can't find anything with like. There's actually really barely any info to go off on this movie. To be honest with you, like in terms of the behind the scenes other than like the directors are Orlando Karate and K Kim J okay <sighs> who've done other of more of these North Korean knockoffs of Disney movies. Oh, <laughs> and if and Monica if you've watched uh Saber Spark you might know a few of these titles. Probably. I've watched a few of Saber Sparks videos on those weird animated movies. Like Simba the King Lion? Yes. This guy was involved in this Titanic movie. Of course he was. Fucking and, course. And Pocahontas, Princess of the American Indians. Simba Jr. and the Football World Club. There's an actual treasure trove of shit to, like, probably examine with this. He's gotta be a troll. It's gotta be a troll. This can't be real. I still think... I still love the... I... Hmm? I said they have to know that they're making shit. I mean... Unless you're either retarded or drugs are involved, you know what you're making. You you think, you would honestly think, but no, these people are probably were probably being legit, and that saddens me. And it's but and it also saddens me that it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. I try to find everything on here on YouTube. And also, it, I love how when I found it, it says it's an entire... It's the subtitle... Not subtitle, but, you know, like, the thing under the main title is, like, the entire movie for children. I would not... Wa I would... I I'll be honest. Show this I would not let my nephew watch this. Fuck no. I No. I think what startles me the most about it is really the balls on them because there was no way in fucking hell they would think that this would fly with other people <laughs> because there are people who are descendants of because there's no like t Titanic survivors anymore. They've all passed away. But I think back in 99, there was a lot of people who were related to people from the Titanic. Yeah. 
again, I can't wait till we have like a 9-11 or even let, let's do a coronavirus. Let, I'm saying right now there will be a movie um, 60 years from now. What? There's already a coronavirus film out. It's called Corona, uh, Co- yeah, Corona Zombies. It's a recut version of uh, some Italian zombie film, and they just spliced in some uh, some very poorly acted sections. And keep in mind, coronavirus has only been around for a couple months. And these motherfuckers hopped on it, recut a film, and filmed stuff to put out a movie. And it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's out on trauma. <laughs> Just let me know when the kids' movie comes out. You know, the cartoon. <laughs> Because it'll happen. On trauma, they're probably will. What do you mean there's coronavirus What do you mean? <laughs> so, I think... What do you mean? Uh, I think we are, I think, past the trauma of it. Yeah, I think we're okay now. Now yeah. we will def- do a nugget, and luckily... This is one of my favorite films of all time, and actually one of the most famous films of all time, period. And hopefully this won't blur like uh, before we were recording. Uh, Seven. Okay, move it over just a little. A little more. There you go. Seven Samurai. Nice Blu-ray. I've had this for... Shit, I think I had I got it like in sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. My mom bought this for me. Um, so this is a Japanese film from 1954, directed by Akira Kurosawa, one of the most legendary filmmakers in the medium's history. He inspired numerous fucking act- directors from people like Martin Scorsese, George Lucas, um, fuck, I could like French directors, Sergio Leone for like spaghetti westerns. I could just go on and on and on and on about what he he's done. And this film in particular is definitely his most famous at at least here in the West. And for many people they say this is his best film. Now personally I don't agree with it, but it is definitely one of my favorites of his. So the plot is Admittedly, if you look at it like in the context of every film that's come out since this, it might sound generic at first, but it's really not, at least in the context of when the film was released. So this is during a time when Japan has been under numerous um, civil wars, and th- which was actually in real li- in the real history. Japan was under a period of constant upheaval, civil war. That sort of thing. And there are a bunch of bandits running around, um, terrorizing farmers, the worst. And the opening film, which is fucking extraordinary, this film's cinematography and um, how the film is like shot, like in general, is fucking perfection. It, they show bandits coming to this village, wanting to get their uh, barley. 
because they but they're gonna wait and then the farmers they're scared they are um without hope and so they go to the village elder who says that he's got to hire some samurai now for maybe some people this might sound familiar because that is the plot of the western film magnificent seven which is a um unofficial remake of this film and for other people if you're a pixar fan that is the plot to a bug's life the Bugs Life um, creators have gone on to say that a lot of the film structure uh, in A Bugs Life, they t basically took from this. And so I'm not going to get into full details with it because this is definitely something you need to see. So they go, like, find the samurai, and then they bring the samurai back, and there are these numerous different people. There's uh, Kambe, who's uh, the leader. He's the most uh, tactical the like the leader of the group uh there's uh kachiro who's wet behind the ears inexperienced uh he's from a rich family but he's wanting to prove his worth as a samurai there is haihachi who he says he's not very good at fighting but he's very good at like being like kind of the um morale upkeep of the unit and in the and in the village he's very like kind of comforting very um helping to keep everything together there is shichiroji who was a former um um um, com uh, um comrade to kambe in like wars and in, in wars that in battles that they fought together there is okay. Let me cause I have Kambe, Kachiro, Goro. Uh, no, I didn't talk about uh, Heihachi, Shichiroji, um, Gorobe, who is this kind of fatter samurai, but he and um, Kambe come up together with a plan to help stop the bandits. So he's kind of like Kambe's like second in command. There's Kuzo, who is silent, but he's it's he's the silent but deadly character, very reserved, focused on um, um, improving his skills as a samurai, but not very um, talkative. He lets his actions speak louder than his words. And then we finally have uh, Kikucho, played by exceptionally by one of the most famous actors in Japanese cinema history, Toshiro Mifune. And he's basically the bum... At first, he comes up as the bumbling idiot <laughs> of the Seven because he has no, like, samurai manners, um, conduct. He's really like a wild dog ready to unleash. But then as the film goes on, you find out more. And one of the best scenes of the film, you find out more about his past and how sad it actually is of how he was actually not born as a samurai. Because in samurai, in Japanese history, it's a class kind of thing. It's kind of like you were born into samurai. You weren't just like, oh, I'm going to train to be a samurai. No, you basically had to be born in a lineage of, of, of family so it's kind of like if I wanted to be a soldier 
like a U.S. soldier, it wouldn't be like I sign up. I would basically have to be in a military family to even get in. That's kind of like the idea that Japanese society had at the time. So he was born a farm, but is trying to be a samurai to kind of make up for his weakness over how his village was torched by bandits as well. And I'm not going to go like farther into it than that. Even though there's not any spoilers that I could say, it's a lot more about the connections with the characters. And the film's actually very um, morally gray. Like, you think about the concept, you think, like, the farmers, and they're scared of the bandits. So you would think, like, oh, the farmers are the good guys, and they're very, you know, weak. But then the samurai come in, and they, like, sit, and they're stronger, they're, you know... um, more virtuous, you would think all that, but what the film does beautifully is that it doesn't show like everything as like pure black and white. And what I mean by that is what we find out is that the farmers have actually taken um, samurai armor and spears and used it for their own purposes after battle. So basically scavenging off of other battle sites. So that kind of throws like this great wrench in that they're we're, you're trying to help these people who have manipulate who have exploited the um wasn't looking for the the deeds of samurai which i found very fucking fascinating and they go into a lot of good detail over the um ramifications and then there's the samurai themselves like i said they're very like they're you know whenever you hear the term like ragtag team it's really more like they're just different people, but they're all exceptionally skilled. This is really a ragtag team. Some people, they're just barely, you know, in Samurai. They're not that great in terms of comment. There's some people that are brilliant. But they all have their they all have their own niche to fill within helping the farmers. And then it really allows for a lot of natural character growth, character um, interactions. What I love especially, and this I didn't realize the first time I watched this, mainly because I was probably too young, not too young, but I was watching it late at night and I probably didn't fully comprehend what I was watching. They never, what I love is that they never try to say what a character's personality is. Like The, the characters, there's not a lot of like overuse of, of exposition. Like There is exposition and there are characters, you know, philosophizing. They're, um, what's I'm looking for their like beliefs and their feelings and stuff like that but it's not like overloading you so really you have to pay attention to how the characters act on the screen you know like act like it like what a movie's supposed to do they're supposed to show the characters act not tell you how they act and everything they do say about the characters is reflected in their actions as well as the exposition now with a film like this there is maybe a few drawbacks, mainly in um, like current day audiences. So, for one thing, this is an old film. This is rapidly approaching sixty years old. So it's also in black and white. So for people who aren't into black and white, which personally I don't get, but some people aren't, it might be a barrier. The fact that it's in Japanese, like these, like any t- like the, the Criterion films don't put like dubs or stuff with uh, foreign films, or at least like live action films anyway and also the film is his longest uh kurosawa this film is three hours and 27 minutes now luckily with how kurosawa 
like uses the time, it never, or at least that's maybe for me because I've watched it three times. It never feels like the the um pace that the plot is dragging. It always feels like it's quick and it gets to the point and then you're on to a next scene. But you're given enough time to absorb the information, absorb the characters, absorb the scenarios, and then when the action really starts to ramp up towards the third act. You feel like everything that has been there that seemed kind of like superficial and very lighthearted with some scenes, it's given greater connection because now shit's getting real, shit's getting insane, and so there's this great contrast. Now, as I said before, there's been many films and shows that have used this. So first, I'm not going to even do like a rating because I'll just say it's a classic and even though that I never like saying that for someone to watch a movie, because maybe some people don't watch this and they may not get it, and that's fine. And but it's not really like a hard movie to understand. It's not like a art. I mean, it's art to me, but it's not like an art house. Like let's find something symbolic, like a pot or some shit. Like it's telling a story, like a comprehensive story. So a lot of film films have used this, and a lot of TV shows. And recently, I watched a due to Jeb's recommendation, a ad, an anime adaptation of Seven Samurai called Samurai Seven. Now this was released in bruh. oh fucking nice a Blu-ray edition. I just heard somebody say bruh. I said bro. Oh, I, I could have swore I heard bruh, like in the oh. background, like really oh, quietly. No. Oh no, I never do that. That's cringe. You have no right to judge what is and is not cringe. I at least know I'm cringe. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I've watched. So I watched Samurai Seven. So this was actually released uh, fifty years after uh, this film. So in two thousand four. So I'm not sure if it was like a. Um, like a 50th, 50th anniversary special project or something given, and I only say this because it's like of the, how close the time period or like how close the age is. So it keeps mostly everything, not everything, so it keeps the basic structure of the film. You know, bandits, or in this case, Nobuseri, who who are these mechanized samurai, because now this film, this not this film, this show is a steampunk or um sci-fi like where there's this where there's like the mix of feudal japan but these mechanized machines do you feel like that distracts from the main intent of the story adding all this extra shit and these changes um no i don't think so because it's trying to be its own thing it's okay. not it's not like because see here's the thing i've read some comments which admittedly I think are unfair, where people are trying like really hard to compare it to the you know original film, which to me is admit like I get it, but at the same time I think it's unfair because we're comparing a three-hour-long movie or three and a half-hour-long movie to a twenty-six-episode anime, so it's kind of like I feel like bit- there's some points where comparison is necessary, but at other points you have to be able to judge it on its own merits, even though oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Oh yeah, no. So and that's what I will. I will do so like on its own it keeps most of the characters like kind of the same but they change them up a bit like for example Heihachi in the anime is a um mechanic he's not 
like in the film, he's not very good with, um, by comparison to the other Samurai, he's not very good with, like, um, so- uh, swordsmanship. But in the anime, he's very good at um, contraptions and machines and the like. Whereas in the original film, he's not a mech, a mechanic or anything like that, which is, which I can admit, like, like at first it was kind of a bit weird for me. But I thought, like, eh, you know what, this kind of works for this character. It would make sense for someone who's not that skilled in traditional swordsmanship to, like, use other skills to make up for it. And then uh, Kuzo, how they meet. So in the original film, they just meet Kuzo as, like, this really great samurai. But in the show, he's actually working with this merchant class, which is completely anime uh exclusive it was there was no merchant class in the film so at first he's like an, an an enemy but then later on becomes a um ally um kikucho is this is now a robot he's this um mechanized samurai and i think he's probably my of all like the characters that you know, of how they adapted them. I particularly like what they did with Kikucho because they kept almost everything about his personality and that he's very loud. He's very, um, chaotic. He's very, he's, um, overcompensating in a fashion of how much of a samurai he is, which was like that in the original film. He was very overcompensating. Um, and then they throw in some new characters that were never in the film, like a water priestess that was never in the film, which I like. And they also add in her sister, which I admit, I still don't really know why they kept the sister character. I mean, I kind of get it because he, she was this com- the companion to Kikucho throughout the show. But at some points, I'm kind of like they're in these dangerous situations, but at the same time, they're bringing along this eight-year-old kid, which, like... I don't. The main thing that pissed, what? Sorry, the main thing that pissed me off with that little girl was at the end of each episode where she's writing that letter home, and A, it's the same animation of her falling asleep, and B, just hearing her voice. I don't know. It just kind of droned on for me. No, like, I personally found her. Like, I just. Okay, I would, I would, it would make sense if you know they left her in the village and then they they put more attention to the samurai kind of getting antiquated with the farmers and they used her as like a um, you know, like as a thing for Kiku show like in like the village. But for some reason, they would always drag this little kid into these dangerous battles, and I'm kind of like, like I, I, I can obviously suspend my disbelief, you know, samurai cutting down, you know, mechs and all that shit, but I'm at the same time like, why are you bringing an eight-year-old into practically a fucking war zone? <laughs> like, why, like, this is a show that has cloning and shit, and I'm, and the thing that kept bothering me was like, why are you bringing an eight-year-old into a fucking fight? Because but, anime. <laughs> <laughs> basically um so on its own i think it's actually a really well done action show i like how each of the samurai they have their own style of fighting they that is very distinct it's not like the animes are just um like 
those are looking for. They're copying, pasting a fight style. Like they're not using like Kanbei's style isn't the same as Kikucho style, which isn't the same from uh, Heihachi's style. Like they're all different, which makes for a very like dynamic um, action scenes, which are actually very well done for the time period. They're very. Um, I mean, sure, there's um, pretty obvious CGI, which the studio Gonzo, they've maybe Jeb, you might disagree. They've never really been the greatest at incorporating CGI with traditional 2D animation, in my view. It always kind of felt kind of obvious, like kind of jarring in a sense, but not as bad as some other. But not like wasn't looking. I'm stuttering a lot. It's not um that bad because they've had other projects where the cgi is way fucking worse in my view than on here at least the cgi that the ships yeah. they're very stylized and that's what i really like a lot the um airships like the capital i i fucking love the design and the like markings and the cannon that they have it's very fucking cool design um and i love the design for the um these mecha and how they're different, and how the leader bandit, he's got a very, like, kind of glamour, glitter, I don't want to say glitter, but a very polished, very, like, regal-looking samurai, uh, not samurai, mecha armor, whereas the other ones, they're not as, um, what's what I'm looking for? They're not as, um, polished. Yeah, they're not as polished. Thank you. They're not as polished, so it shows the hierarchy within the within the world, which I actually found very interesting because it's actually kind of a callback to the um, film and that the bandits in the original film they did have a leader who had like a traditional like samurai uh, headset, which there's a lot of symbolic. There's a lot of stuff to go into with that, but I'm not going to get into that at the moment because I could go on about that for fucking hours. But. <laughs> But the world building is very interesting. I like how there's this this um, connection with the old and the new. And I also love especially how the anime kind of adapts the original. Like, and what I mean by adapt, I don't mean they rip off the original score of uh, the film, but they keep the score very much in similar to the film like with um very heavy on percussion like dr like traditional drums and uh stringed instruments and woodwinds like in the original film that that soundtrack was very heavy on um like traditional japanese um instrumentation although admittedly the one thing that always bothered me about the music was the opening i i found the opening kind of um jarring in a in a way because it's this modern, like, J-rock pop song, which for me kind of felt out of place. I think it would have been better if they tried to do a more... Maybe not a... Um, like, let's say maybe not a traditional Japanese thing, but kind of something more in line with it. Maybe make it a bit more... Like, what I mean by atmospheric, I mean a bit more... Um, like, maybe less over the, over the top by comparison. But it, I don't know. It just kind of felt weird because then the rest of the soundtrack is not like it. It's very much in vague, in vogue with at least respecting the original score, but still doing its own thing. Now, the problems I did have with the show, and this, and for a while, I'm not trying to compare it to the original film because 
I think what is a bit unfair with adaptations is that we have to try to compare everything to the original. And if we start doing that, if we start going down the road, of course there's going to be stuff that you like. If you prefer something over another thing, of course something's going to look weaker in your eyes than the adaptation. So I've tried not to do that, but there are definitely certain points within the show for me where the film definitely does supersede it. And what I mean by this, at some points the show adapts direct scenes from the movie. So, for instance, I alluded this in the Twitter thread. There are many moments where they adapted the, again, key scenes from the movie. So, for instance, there is a famous, there's, they adapt the, one of the best known scenes in the original film where Kikucho is talking about farmer and samurai conflict and how the farmers have had to struggle to survive and the samurai because the samurai were exploiting and taking advantage of them. Now in the original film it's because they found the Kikucho found that they had all these armor and these spears and that it was kind of like coming across like I don't know you there was like a sinister not sinister but a very like dis like kind of disgusting quality to the discovery I don't know how to explain it but it, that's kind of the thing I always got whereas in the show why um Kikucho goes on a, on this rant which is like which contextually it makes sense is because uh one of the characters Monzo tries to talk to the bandits because he's getting scared and thinks if they fail, they're all going to die. So might as well like say the plan early, so so that he can protect his daughter. And for me personally, the and then and I try to think of it more. I try not to like go like oh the film because I'm a fanboy from the film. But I think the the scene in that anime they didn't quite match the emotional intensity because the original film is very emotionally intense. It's very kind of raw in how it depicts certain um, emotions, you know, like hope, fear, anger, sadness, triumph, all that stuff. And I don't know if it was the dub, which the dub is actually very good. I mean, Kikucho's voice by the guy who does Alex Louise Armstrong from Full Metal Alchemist. And that dude, I forget his name. Um, but he's a fucking great actor. Like he really gives Kikucho like that, that baritone kind of sound, that gruff sound, which works for the character. But I don't know. They just couldn't quite, in my view, match up to the original when it comes to adapting the direct, like larger scenes from the film. In my opinion, not to say that they're bad. They, because they're actually very respectful in how they, um, um, what's we're looking for? They portray the characters because the characters are in line with how the original film made them. It's just that it just didn't hit quite the same note for me. Didn't hit quite the same impact as it was in the original film, at least for me personally. Now, there's also some issues such as when, and this doesn't happen really as much as some people I've read online say, there's some points where the animation really goes downhill, or, or like, it looks like the budget was slashed. Like, for instance, where they meet uh, Shichiroji, 
and they meet him at the uh, Firefly. I think it's called the Firefly, and it's like a like a like a um, bathhouse. And the models start going all over the place. They don't look as detailed, and it's. I'm not sure if. Because I've read some in, for some people that they think it's a stylistic choice, like how. Um, but I don't know. I've seen this with other like Gonzo, you no know, anime, where at some point the art style starts going weird and and not in a really, but it just seems like they just did not have the money to have a consistent budget. You know what I mean? Like they couldn't have enough money to go from episode to episode to episode. But that is more from a technical limitation. But again, I've seen far worse when it comes to um, animation going way off base, way off model and all that. Like in America shows, especially nowadays, they fucking love to go off model constantly. So I can at least say that in this show, it's not as consistent are inconsistent. So for me personally, um, I liked it. I thought it was a very respectable or respectful, I mean, adaptation of a classic. And for me, I would give it. I think like a. I said on the the um, the tweet before Chad told me that thought it was a better idea for me to delete it. I I originally said I would give it a six point five to seven, but I think. On recollection to what I liked and don't like, I'd give it maybe a 7, maybe a 7.5. I wouldn't say this is really something I would go to all back that much. But that's just me personally. I find there's a lot for people to get into if they want just an action anime but isn't like some shonen thing that yet you need hundreds of episodes to consume. Um, I would at well, least say... Naruto. I would at least. <laughs> I will at least say this. It... <laughs> Although this is what I would recommend, I do recommend people to watch the original film, like from film, like even just people who don't know that much about Japanese cinema in general. Like Kurosawa films in general are very easy to get into, like because the films are very Western inspired, like even genre Western. So it's very easy for Americans to get into. But I would say if you want to watch this anime, I would actually say watch the anime first. Then if you want to watch the original film, because if you if someone's like me and gets really attached to this film, maybe they might be harsher with their critiques. And I don't want that for a show that's actually very competently well made and very solid. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but I will definitely say that it is definitely one of the better action anime that I've come across in a long while. Definitely something I would recommend to people that want it, that are just into action, steampunk, sci-fi type of thing. So yeah, 7 out of 10 for me personally. Now, th this is one of the few that I, I only watch it every now and then. But I still count it as a favorite. I mean, amongst all the little action anime that I have, this one's at the top. I mean, the writing is good. The animation, it may have dips and 
the CG, like you said, Studio Gonzo has its hits and misses. But overall, I mean, especially the voices. Oh, yeah, the like, voices are great. There, There is no overacting at all. I mean, even when it comes down to the animation reactions, like with Haihachi, he always has his eyes closed. But when he gets serious, you get to see his eyes open. Yeah, that's what that's I saw, which I thought... That's just an emotional... Like, he is purely pissed. And <laughs> you can hear his voice. Oh, yeah, I love that part where he gets pissed at um, Monzo for trying to sell them out to the bandits. And he's saying, like, we should just kill him because it's revealed later on that he did something similar to what Monzo did, or at least, like, Betrayal, which I found to be actually a pretty cool little um, addition that they did. So, yeah, Monica, so, yeah, Monica, I think, like, with your thing with, like, animation, okay, maybe you might not like, uh, or this is, at least from what you've told us, maybe you might not like Kiku's show because he's very, like, over the top. Uh, no, 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 no. <clears throat> with my previous critique... That doesn't mean that I that it's necessarily I won't like an anime. It's just that when they're so over the top, it's harder for me to get into it initially. Once I'm in, though, I'm down for the long haul, and I don't care how over the top they are. It's just at first I'm like, eh, why? Oh, no. If, you, if you're one of those people that you have to have a good first impression, this is one of them that's really going to hook you. Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah, my segment is done, which was a very long segment. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're at the two-hour, ten-minute mark. Ah, shit. Good thing I got to cut out like ten minutes from the intro. <laughs> nice. Okay, so, <clears throat> Vic, I need your full attention before I start my segment. Because you need to be aware of what happened last week. At least a couple of things that happened last week. In order for you to understand what's going on this week. Chris Chan. You remember the attraction signs, yes? <laughs> you remember the love quest, yes? <clears throat> so, uh, our, our good friend Chris uh, upgraded his tactics. Okay... Chris realized I'm basically selling myself. So, his solution, he started going to a mall instead of just at his school. He went to a mall and he made a big pink paper mache heart and he wrote on it, please return to owner and he tied it with red yarn and he would throw it at women at the mall. Trying to reel in a woman. That actually really does sound like something that Vincent would do. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. You know, I can see him working at his dad's store, just throwing those hearts up, being like, eh, eh, come on, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he got arrested. Oh, I'm shocked. He didn't go to jail. 
He just got um uh, he just got told he couldn't go to the mall without his mom and dad, which by the <laughs> way, he's 24, 23 somewhere in that general vicinity at this point and he can't go to the mall without mommy and daddy escorting him. <laughs> And you remember all the shit with Mary Lee Walsh? Tragically, yes. I'm going to take this off before I suffocate. Okay. Um, I'll wait. All of this uh, stuff at the school with his attraction sign and him trying to use a curse, yeha meha, on Mary Lee Walsh finally came to a head and he got booted from the school for a year. So he's got one year of suspension from the school. You're essentially up to speed at this point. There was some more stuff, but it was nothing super important. He met a girl that was into Yu-Gi-Oh, so therefore all of a sudden he got into Yu-Gi-Oh. You know, just basic Chris being Chris stuff. But you're up to speed on the worst of it from last week. So I feel enlightened. I don't know this. how I managed to miss this little detail, but the day that he got kicked out of the mall... And told that he couldn't come back without his parents. That happened on September 11th. 2001? <laughs> no, thankfully not. But still, it happened on September 11th. So how did you remember 9-11 this day, Jimmy? Oh, I had to t kick out this kid because he was throwing string at women. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he got kicked out of his college, he had this to say about it online. My dad is bloodthirsty for revenge as well. He's going to write to U.S. President George W. Bush and Laura Bush to help me get allowed back into PVCC. We all curse death upon that bitch Mary Lee Walsh. His insanity makes me want to run around naked in oh, my neighborhood. Oh, speaking of insanity, in this episode we get to discuss his psychological eval that he had to take after getting booted from the school. He just now gets a psych eval? After getting booted from the school, he got a psychological eval and was forced into anger management. Now, big surprise, everything that he was told that he needed to do, uh, him and his family just ignored it. Oh, because that's what you're supposed to do. Lots of parents do that, by the way. I'm going to go on a mini rant here. If your doctors tell you to do something with your fucking kids, just fucking do it, because apparently you're not competent enough to do shit by yourself. Yep. Uh, and we'll be getting into a quote from the psychological eval that I think you guys will find interesting. Okay. Uh, okay, so um, uh, when he got kicked out of the mall and he got kicked out of his college, his bright idea was, I'm going to continue my love quest by going to a different college that I'm not even enrolled in. <laughs> so close. So close. <laughs> Damn it. I like my eyes. <laughs> So, so far, all of this has just been entertaining, but trust me, we're going to get to the cringe very soon. The tail end of this episode is probably the cringiest shit that I've ever had to put down and read to you guys. So wait, we're not at the cringe part yet? No, this is just the funny shit. <laughs> Alright, so, um, 
He only got banned from the mall for a month, and then he went back and just continued doing it. Like, he went for eight weeks straight before he got caught. And then after the month-long uh, being told he couldn't go without parents, he just went right back. Oh, and we'll get to see... We're going to get to see what he does from someone else's perspective soon. Not just his. You're going to find out what other people seen him doing at the mall. If it's not him eating babies, I'll be very disappointed. Oh, okay, it's not quite that bad. Okay. Okay, uh, so... Uh, here's a what? What? I said he put some bars down his pants. <laughs> Uh, somehow it's not as bad as that, but simultaneously worse than that. Uh, okay, here's, here's the quote from the eval. The patient doesn't seem to pose a significant threat to himself or anyone else. There is some suggestion that anger control has been a problem, although how that has manifested itself is unclear. He... He has no history of violence, which would suggest any future risk. Okay, that probably has bit that psyche valve in the ass, given what he was doing in fucking GameStop. Yeah, essentially. Uh, neither he nor his family did anything to help make a change in his behavior or situation, which, big fucking shock there. Uh, I, I, as far as I understand, they went through and all of this shit got listed and literally nothing was done about it. It was like, okay, that's what you had to say. Now get me back into fucking college. I want to rip my hair out so fucking badly. All right, so we're approaching Christmas of, I believe, 2004. He wrote, okay. he wrote a uh, a wish list to Santa. Wait, how old is this guy now? 24, I think. And he believes in fucking Santa? Yes, because he unironically wrote that he, to Santa that he wanted a girlfriend. And when a girlfriend wasn't waiting for him the next day during Christmas, he was upset about it. And I can, this is documented in video because he filmed Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What did he film? Uh, just himself talking to the camera on Christmas Eve in his room, and then Christmas Day, he took the camera with him, and he went downstairs, and he showed off his house, and he talked to his parents like he was interviewing them, essentially, and then he set the camera up away from them while they were unwrapping presents. But he was legitimately upset that there was no girlfriend waiting for him, that Santa didn't bring him a girlfriend. <laughs> remember Vic we're still in just fun territory we haven't gotten to the cringe yet <laughs> now you're breaking me like how I broke you yeah essentially continue in the Christmas Eve video he was singing again I had to hear so need a cute girlfriend again Plus, he made a new song that I can't even remember the name of, and it was basically like an ice pick to the fucking ears. It was bad. I, I'm so glad that I don't have to hear this bullshit, and that I just get to hear you suffer. <laughs> okay, so uh, you guys remember what So Need a Cute Girl sounded like, Yes. I wanted to hang myself after that, but yes. Somehow, this rendition in this video was worse. 
like a thousand times worse. How the fuck? I don't know, but it was more painful than the one that I showed you before and more painful than the one on his quote-unquote album. Like, his voice was all over the place in the weirdest fucking ways. Like, his voice was going super high and then super fucking low out of nowhere and he was doing, like, these vibratos and shit that were just really fucking weird. I want to go to his house and piss on his door. Which one? Are we talking about the one that he burned down or the one that he's currently living in? Maybe he'd be that stupid and try to avenge that I pissed on his burned house door. He probably would be, yes. Um, Okay, so in the Christmas Day video, this is the first time that we get to see how bad the hoarding in his family's house is. Like, as he's filming, he can barely walk through the living room. That's how bad of a hoarder his mother is. And um, the star on their Christmas tree, can you guess what the star was? Is it Jesus being Sonic crucified? Sonichu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, why would parents condone that? Oh my god, this video shed a lot of light on, the, on how his parents feel about his Sonichu shit. Because one of the gifts that he got for his mother was a snow globe with a picture of him on one side and a picture of Sonichu on the other. And he's like, look, Ma, I got you this thing and it's so cool, isn't it? It's so awesome. And his mom's just like, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, and he, he managed to dick his father over on Christmas. Is he the only guy that's decent in this family? As far as I can tell, yes. It's and I could be wrong. Like as I research deeper, I might find out that I'm wrong. But as of right now, I am still at the same point where I believe that his father is the only good one in that family and tried to raise a good son. And just the fact that he had to live with that man was a tragedy. And the fact that he died was probably a good thing. And I hate saying that. Rest in peace to him. Yeah, so far, like, him being dead is probably better than him being alive. Uh, Okay, yeah, so here's the story of how he dicked over his father on Christmas. His father is a big fan of Fraggle Rock. I'm not entirely certain what Fraggle Rock is, but I'm just throwing that out there. His dad is a big fan. Created by Jim Henson. It's these weird little creatures that live inside of a cave. Okay, Uh, so, um... Uh, for Christmas, he got his dad uh, Fraggle Rock, uh, but he bought two different copies, one on VHS and one on DVD. And as he's sitting there with the two presents in his hand, he's like, uh, he forces his dad on the spot, you need to pick, do you want the DVD or the VHS? And then made it clear that he wanted to keep the DVDs and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until his father gave in and said, I'll take the VHS. Merry fucking Christmas. That kid should have been aborted. <laughs> <laughs> and and somehow, uh, don't ask me how, I don't know how, but he managed to uh, physically hurt his mother twice while filming this Christmas present exchange. Like, he almost took her fucking head off at one point on accident. 
<laughs> How the fuck did that happen? I have no fucking idea. I'm like, he's passing presents, and next thing you know, his arm just goes flying, and he almost decapitates his fucking mom. <laughs> Where's Jeff going? <laughs> to the window, maybe? No. <laughs> Uh, so after that video's over, he records another video the night of Christmas Day, continuing to bitch about not having a girlfriend. And then uh, you guys remember Sarah Hammer from episode one, and then from a few more of the more recent episodes, the one who locked him in the crawl space and all that. Mm-hmm. He is saying, dead ass serious, if she didn't have a boyfriend, I could have her for myself right now, and complaining that she has a boyfriend, and just just bitching about this fucking boyfriend that she has. So he's literally an incel. Essentially. He's basically the original incel. He's the OG incel. (laughs) What isn't he the OG of? He's the original Let's Player. Uh, He's the first person to release a parody album online, I'm pretty sure. He's the OG incel. He's kind of a simp. He checks all these fucking boxes years in advance. I'm holding my breath for so long I'm losing oxygen. Are you trying to die? Uh, Probably. From what I understand, he was also one of the OG bronies. Yes. Uh, One of the... I don't know if he was... I heard he was one of the first uh, internet furries. Yes, as far as I know. He's also one of the first people on on the internet who was extremely flamboyant about being trans. But yet also still a homophobe and a racist. Okay, I've seen trans people be uh, racist, but homophobic? That is still so fucking weird to me. Exactly. Okay, uh, somebody who worked at the mall he went to all the time. It. What? Victor shoved his finger in his nose. <laughs> I don't know if I do that. Hey, did, did you find any good nose gold there, buddy? No, I did not. <laughs> okay, so uh, some chick at the mall that he went to all the time named Anna, who worked at uh, PacSun, made a blog post about him called The Tale of the Crazy Pacer. Anna is someone who will be a huge part of this story later on although her position in things seems to be debated the shit with Anna seems to be a a shit show entirely of its own which will probably have multiple dedicated parts Um, but anyway so this is our chance to gain some insight on what it looked like for other people who were in the mall with him okay so I'm going to give you some quotes from her blog post as well as, you know, dropping out of that and then explaining things so I don't have to copy-paste the entire fucking blog post to get everything out. Sometimes as he paced, he would sing or shout. Nobody could really tell what he was saying. So yes, he would pace around the mall singing and shouting like a crazy hobo and nobody could understand what he was saying. (laughs) This day he was acting particularly crazy. 
He'd pace and pace, then stop and shout at the wall, then continue pacing. This kid's not autistic. I'm high-functioning autistic, and I don't even do this. <laughs> but remember, his psych eval gave him basically a clean bill of health. The only thing negative that his psych eval had to say is, oh, he's got some difficulties with social things, but he's aware of it, and he's trying his best to deal with them. That psychiatrist should be aborted. <laughs> Post-term abortion. <laughs> Is it possible to abort a baby after 33 years? Maybe. <laughs> Just stick a coat hanger in their eye and keep jamming it until they stop moving. <laughs> uh, he also did some singing, uh, even getting into vibrato falsetto junks. It was hilarious. He kept looking into the store, so someone suggested they wave at him. So they did. After waving back and forth a few times, he comes in and walks up to the counter our blogger friend was standing behind. <laughs> I don't think you're ready for where this is going to go, Vic. I really, really don't think you're ready. Like a bad rape, let's dive in. <laughs> He looks right at me, all fidgety and twitchy, and goes, You look about 19 years old, right? I busted out laughing because he guessed it right. Star was laughing too from over the side, uh, from over from the sidelines where it was safe. That's exactly right, I affirmed. See, I know things. I can just tell how old someone is, he said. Kind of proud, but still timid at the same time. Oh, I said... My name is Christian, he said, but you can call me Chris. I'm Christian W. Chandler. Oh, I said, hi, Chris. So, he continued, do angels have names? I found out later he meant to say, do angels like you have names? Poor guy was so nervous he didn't get it right. Probably, I said, but I don't know. Well, what's your name, he asked. Sorry, I don't go for pickup lines, I replied, kind of laughing. I ain't done yet, Vic. The shit show is not over yet. We are okay. at the tail end, though, so be happy for that. Okay. He presses more for her name, and she finally tells him her name is Anna. His reply was, oh, oh, that's a pretty name, and I like your hair. It's a very pretty color. My eyes are two different colors. One of them is green, <laughs> and the other is blue. It's because I had pink eye a while back, and one of them stayed that way. What color are your eyes? Ladies, my balls are a different color because I got herpes. <laughs> I love that string of thoughts, though. That is so fucking Chris. Oh, that's a pretty name. Also, you have pretty hair. By the way, my eyes are a really cool color, and here's a really creepy story about why. What color are your eyes? <laughs> And he finally goes, 
Hey, so you want to go get some ice cream later? <laughs> and she responds. She responds with, "No, I just ate, and I'm still really full, and I'm gonna be off soon, so I probably wouldn't want to." Now, being a normal human being, Vic, let's say you went and you finally shot your shot, and you asked somebody on a date, and this was their response. Their response was basically a very polite no. What would you do from there? Ah, uh, okay, cool. I'm gonna just go do whatever. You want to know what Chris's response was? No, what was it? Well, can I have your phone number? <laughs> she said no. Now, I can kind of see this happening, maybe. But once she says no, that's the end of it. It's mm -hmm. closed. His response was, well, can I give you my phone number? <laughs> Her response was no. So you want to know what his response was? Pray tell, what was it? <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. And he leaves the store, goes out into the main hallway area of the mall, goes into his backpack where he keeps his Nintendo DS and all of that shit because, you know, he stays for like four to five hours a day at this point. He's staying for hours at a time at the mall, walking back and forth, screaming <laughs> and singing to himself and throwing paper mache hearts at women. He comes back in. With a handmade business card with his name, Shut email, up. website, and a picture of Sonic Chew on it, and he hands it to her and leaves. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. You're lying. Stop. I, I am not uh, fucking uh, lying to you. I'm becoming more of a virgin just by hearing this. <laughs> I would have laminated it and be like, just handing it down to children be like, You'll never guess what retard handed me this. <laughs> so how's that feel for a good dose I, of cancer? Hey, I, I know you're autistic, but... No, I, I've i met many autistic people. No, no one I know has ever done that. Not even the low-functioning yeah, no, autistic. Dude, I, dude, I understand you're autistic. And they want to claim that this guy is high functioning. I I'd be shocked if this kid truly understood how to flush a toilet. <laughs> he probably thinks when you pull the handles, fairies <laughs> whisk the water away. He's got to be, and I say this with no exaggeration, the dumbest fucking human being that's ever been recorded in history. To be honest, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Like, okay, maybe he's not the dumbest person ever that lived, because there could be way more, but definitely the dumbest ever recorded. I would say the dumbest person currently living today would be accurate. Because it goes far beyond social ineptitude. And goes into an area, and I know I'm not wearing my sunglasses, but I'm too shocked to put them back on. It goes into a realm that is not just socially inept, and it's not even creepy. It's it's like you're on Earth, and he's on Mars. To, to quote Jeb from the very first episode we did on Chris Chan, I don't want to be on the same planet with this kid, <laughs> but thankfully it seems like he's on a planet of his own right now. 
it gets worse. I'm not. I'm done for today, but the story gets worse. Oh my god! Well, I can at least say it's pay. You can think of it as payback for what I subjected you to, and will subject you to next week. That is very fair. Yes, but <clears throat> Jeb, I want to know: was this worse than last week? Does uh, does this top the red string of fate? I don't I don't know the business card thing. <laughs> that's to be honest. I'm kind of shocked you didn't have the business card attached to the little heart. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good idea. Of course, he's not going to do that. That would have actually been a good idea. That would have been forward thinking. The, the, you assume too much. You assume that Chris thinks, or is it Christine? I don't care anymore. I, I guess that at one point, like it got so bad, he would go to the mall with his fucking Nintendo DS, pop in his headphones, walk around eating chips and playing video games, occasionally just singing and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> that is social. That is like social suicide. <laughs> No, yep. see, you know, in, in your own town, yes, but in the world at large, not really. But when you post everything online all the fucking time <laughs> and act like everything's a W when all you're doing is basically handing yourself L's, <laughs> that's social suicide. I, It's like, I think, because I've heard of Chris Chan for many years, but it's like, I never really truly comprehend how fucking idiotic he is, or she, I don't care. Please, no trans people in the honors go down my throat. I can't follow. Right now in the timeline, he is identifying as a he, so we're fine to call him as a he as far as I'm concerned. Okay. anyway, I used to be somebody who was into Chris Chan, and I didn't know half this shit. The deeper I dig, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I want to fucking kill myself. Like, I thought that the Liquid Chris thing was the worst that it got. And then I found out about the Red String of Fate, and I'm like, holy shit, why does no one talk about this? My head actually hurts. I'm not kidding. My head actually hurts processing all this information. I actually have a headache. I think when we start stop recording, I need to go drink some water. Yeah, I gotta go step out and grab a cigarette before we start live streaming anyway, so you can get a drink of water, I'll smoke a cigarette, and then we'll reconvene, because holy fuck, that was, it It gets worse though, it keeps getting worse, we're still at a four, on, the, on a scale of one to ten, we're still at a fucking four right now. Motherfucker, how is that just a four? Oh, wait, it's Chris. He would probably eat a live baby and say that he was saving Jesus Christ from being crucified. I'm pretty sure, like, if I'm saying that this is a four right now, I would not be surprised if we get to a point where I have to add an 11 to the scale. He can't be real. He cannot be... And I I don't mean, like, he can't be real with this. I mean, he can't be a real person. He must be an alien that was sent... (laughs) to the planet to observe people's behavior, but for some reason the aliens brought a defective model and he is not doing anything that humans are supposed to do. Not even that he's weird, not even that he's crazy, not even that he's unique, not even that he has autism. He's like not doing anything fucking correct. Exactly. 
He can't even do. I can he even wipe his ass? There are moments that I have looking into this where I just keep thinking to myself, my God, he has to be a troll. This has to be the biggest troll on the internet of all time. But who would destroy their lives to this extent to troll everybody else into thinking they're an idiot? Like, not even just a moron. Like, he's not even a moron. This is, like, far beyond, like, an Onision level of moron. This is far beyond, like, a J-Station level of moronic. This is way beyond a... I don't know, insert whatever Keemstar's in. Like... Patton. I look into it, and I feel like I'm reading bad fan fiction. But it's reality. And every time I have that realization that it's reality, I feel like my brain just falls out of my ears. Knowing Chrissy probably eat it. It wouldn't surprise me. He'd probably think that's strawberry ice cream on the floor. Mm-hmm. And if he eat it and if he ate a brand, he'd be thinking, hmm, this tastes like Dairy Queen. We haven't even gotten to the part where he uploaded a video of him having sex with a blow-up doll because the trolls told him to. I've seen him humping his PS3, so... Like, dry humping the PS3. We're still at the point where he's just screaming into the void. The trolls haven't even found him yet. And this is how bad it is. When the trolls find him, it gets worse. This is where we are before the trolls. How? <laughs> Fucking how? It's like, um, <clears throat> have either of you ever heard of Kit Boga? No. He's or a YouTuber who does scam baiting. He'll like call these indie, or no, he's not a YouTuber, he's a Twitch streamer, my bad. But he calls like these Indian scam companies and then he will troll the scammers just to waste their time because uh, his mindset is for every minute that I'm wasting their time, that's a minute that they're not scamming somebody who doesn't understand the game. But like uh, there was an episode that he did where he was trolling these dudes and by the time it was all said and done, he got them to sing My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. And it's like, how can this be reality? I, I, I have the same thought of Chris Chan that I do of these tech scammers. How the fuck can you f- do this to yourself and not realize that you're being fucking trolled? <laughs> I think I don't Vic, I don't, I don't know. You're kind of a troll, but you're just weird. I, I at least know I'm making shit up. Take... I'm at least know I'm well, making yeah. shit up. Uh, me and Monica, I thoroughly enjoy trolling people. I think Monica does too. Oh fuck yeah! I fucking like, love it. Like I, can, I can easily troll as witnesses and whoever to my door, like. <clears throat> some of those Indian scammers saying something, that would take a lot of talent on my part. 
Oh, dude spends like six hours on the phone with them. He will troll them for hours and just break them down to the point where they're like, look, we've got to take this further because look how far we've gotten. We've got to get something out of it now. There's a fallacy about that, but I for, uh, like uh, uh, investment, some, something investment, sunk investment fallacy or something. But he uses that to his advantage to the most extreme possible degree. He has won a series where he went for over a week. The total time on the phone was over 36 hours with these scammers. He used a voice changer and convinced them that he was an 84-year-old lady who was uh, stupid and had no clue what she was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking beautiful like every hour that they had been on the phone together he would just lean over to the microphone and go happy anniversary and at first they would always be like what what are you talking about and then by like hour 32 he says happy anniversary and they'll go happy anniversary and then they'll both start clapping <laughs> I'm not even like I classify probably myself as a troll nowadays, but I never can do that. That's I, just I a think master. The best part of it is at one point he called another scam company while he had the first scam company on hold and then put them both in the call together <laughs> and then just let the fucking chaos ensue. <laughs> 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 oh, fuck. by the time it was all said and done he had them convinced that like 15 other scam companies had scammed him out of $30,000 <laughs> and they still hadn't gotten a piece of the pie yet <laughs> it was fucking beautiful <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that was my part on Chris Chan for this week. Next week, it's going to get worse. Oh, dear God. Um, uh, I did not mention this this week. I mentioned it in the last episode, but I didn't say it here, so you need to be aware, Vic. I have decided there is no way I'm going to be able to keep track of everything with Sonichu and everything with Chris. So I'm going through Chris's timeline only bringing up Sonichu when it's important to Chris's timeline. And then at the very end, I'm going to do like one or two episodes that are just dedicated to the Sonichu comics. Okay, then. <clears throat> it's it's going to be easier in the long run because, my God, it is... Ugh. But anyway, this has been episode 11... 12? 12. This has been episode 12 of the Pillbox Podcast.